Thank you guys for that. That that is a real blessing to me. And um, if you guys don't know me, my name is JD. I'm the Crosstalk Pastor here at Cypress Creek Church. It is really good to be with you guys. I do want to say here, before we get started in anything, next week is Thanksgiving. So next Thursday, we're not going to be here. But that being said, if you guys are working, if you guys... I can't go home for some reason. If you guys are trying to be COVID safe and so you're not doing the big family gathering or home is just not a safe place for you, find me. You have a place at my table and Taylor's table. You have a place in our home. And we want you guys to have a place for Thanksgiving. And if you guys are working and you guys don't want to go out and you guys don't want to be a part of things, I will drive a Thanksgiving meal and drop it off on your doorstep for you. And so if you guys need a place, if you guys need a meal, find me. Find Taylor. We want, we want to serve you guys. We want to love you guys. We want to do life with you guys in that way. We understand that life is not always super simple. I come into this week with, with my heart burdened. And you guys are going to hear a little bit about that. But it is a great gift. We're, we're wrapping up the first series that I've been able to get a chance to be with you guys uh, for the entirety. And and it's a series on the five solas. We've been in this for about a month and a half. And really the goal of, of the five solas and the goal of this series has been to give us a foundation to understand who we are as followers of Jesus Christ today. Who are we? What are the essential truths that we hold on to? And the foundation of our faith is made up on five truths. The first of which is scripture alone is our authority for understanding God's work in the world. Second is that grace alone is God's attitude towards us. That it's by faith alone that we come into relationship with God. That it's by Christ alone who is sufficient for salvation. And today we get to turn the corner and we get to talk about how everything we do is for the glory of God alone. Everything we do is for the glory of God alone. And you see, these truths came out of the Reformation, which happened 500 years ago when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church. And what happened is it started this radical change in the church. And we felt ripples of this. We've seen the ripples of it all the way throughout time, and we, we still deal with those effects today. And despite the fact that it's, it's pretty obvious for any person to, to know that these things are important for us, that they're, that they're central truths for us, so often they take a background. They take a background in our lives. They take a background in how we think and how we view a relationship with God. And I'm just as guilty as any person of that. And the five solas can just become this history lesson for us. They can be a history lesson because the vast majority of you guys, whether you remember it or not, learned about this in world history, whether you were in high school or maybe it was a class in college, and you didn't think anything of it. And so what we want to do is we want to create a place in our memory, a place in our heart where these are the truths that we draw on in times of struggle, in times of hardship, And what we've been talking about all this time really hit home in a different way for me this this past weekend. Um, Taylor and I were driving home from spending Saturday with my parents, and we got a phone call that one of our good friends passed away suddenly. His name was Zach Ross. He's a 25-year-old guy. 
I've only got a couple of years on them. And and 25-year-old kids aren't supposed to pass away. Parents aren't supposed to bury children. It's unnatural. And I've struggled mightily with his passing. I've struggled to reconcile it. And I've been trying to understand why God would take a young man after his own heart. A young man who loved Jesus. I got on the phone with a buddy to tell him about his death, and he was speechless. And then he just responded with, that dude loved him some Jesus. And that's why it's so hard for me to reconcile that. It's so hard for me to come to terms with how bad his sister and his parents are hurting in this time. How bad his friends are hurting. And as I began to process the grief and the sadness I felt with his passing, I've fallen back on some very specific truths. When I open this Bible to seek understanding in the situation, it tells me some things. When I look to Scripture, I find peace and I find comfort because I know that my friend Zach experienced the grace of God in a way that turned him to faith alone in Jesus Christ for his salvation. And because of that, I can rejoice knowing that my friend, knowing that a guy that I mentored, a guy that I discipled, is celebrating with Jesus in heaven right now. And as hard as that is in this moment, as hard as it is to speak that truth on stage, especially when I look at his grieving parents and his grieving sister, I can say, praise be to God. Praise be to God that Zach Ross knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior and that as a result, he gets to celebrate with heaven, in heaven, with him right now. And today we're going to talk about a really important question that comes to the forefront when we deal with things like this. I met with another college pastor yesterday, and we were talking about life, and we were talking about ministry, and he goes, and there are some, there are really, really good days. He's been a youth uh, college minister for a long, long time. He goes, there's some really, really great days, and then there are the days where you bury a 25-year-old and you just can't understand. You can't comprehend what is going on. And, that, and at that moment, in those moments, there's the primal human question that needs to be asked. What is life about? And what brings life meaning? When I get to the end of my life and my time has ended, what is the sum of my life? What gives it value? And that's a question that everyone asks. That's a question that everyone asks. And how you answer that question will tell you a great deal about how you live right now. How you answer that question determines your actions right now. And for us as believers, the Westminster Confession of Faith poses a wonderful question for us. The question in the Westminster Confession of Faith is, what is the chief end of mankind? What is the chief end of mankind? And it goes on to answer and it says, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 
And if we believe that statement right there, there are broad sweeping implications for the way in which we live our life. There are broad sweeping implications because I can tell you this statement right here has brought me more peace and more comfort in Zach's passing than anything. Because I look at Zach's life, I look back at the way that he lived, and I can say with certainty that Zach Ross brought glory to God in the way that he lived on the everyday. And that he enjoyed a relationship with God every day. And as a result, we can look back and be praising God in his passing because we know that his death glorifies God and that Zach is enjoying the Father forever. The chief end of mankind is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think that most people stop after the first part. They stop after the chief end of man is to glorify God. And what happens when we stop at just after the first part is that we end up miserable. We end up miserable because we turn this faith in Jesus thing into a religious thing that is about doing good and being good. And we have no fun. It becomes this set of lists and rules and do's and don'ts that I have to wake up in the morning and I gotta read my Bible and I have to check that off the list. But if I don't wake up and I read and I don't read my Bible, then I erase that check mark and then I move on running a deficit the whole day trying to glorify God the best that I can in my own human actions. I think about, have you guys ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? It's those, those monks as they're walking through town and the plague is hitting and they're walking by in their robes and they have those like two by sixes and they're hitting themselves in the head as they chant. That's what I think about. For, for the, the average person who doesn't understand this, that's the way that they walk through life is saying that, like, I, I have to follow God, and I must do good, and I need to read my Bible, and I need to pray, and all of these sorts of things. And when we live in that way, what it does is it causes people to be miserable. And it drives people out of this building. It drives people out of our homes, and it drives us out of relationships with people. And really what it amounts to is a huge, massive misreading of the New Testament. It is a massive misreading of the New Testament because what God wants to do is he wants you to have freedom and joy and life to the fullest. And we've turned it into a list of rules and do's and don'ts. It's not this ho-hum religious thing, but rather freedom and a joy in a way that we've never experienced. I was talking to Bob Moss earlier this week, and Bob, Bob, Bob knows the answer to all things. If you guys don't hang out with Bob, definitely hang out with Bob. And I'd asked him the question, I was like, why do people get stuck? Why do we get stuck in glorifying God, but not enjoying God? And he's like, well, it's simple. I was like, I've been pondering this for a week. It's not that simple, Bob. And he goes, think about your dogs. And I've got two big, humongous, goofy dogs. And when I walk in the front door, it is a nightmare. Because when I walk in the front door, they jump on me. The, the young one, he's only like a year and a half. He's still a puppy. He bites me and he licks me and I can't get out of the way. And so I'm carrying groceries. I'm tripping over the dog. But they are so excited to see me. And so I get in the door. I put my groceries away. I sit down on the couch. And immediately they settle, both of them, under my feet. 
and they settle under my feet. And then when I move to a new room, I try to go to the bathroom, leave the door open. They come into the bathroom. They lay at my feet in the bathroom. And you're like, this is not enough privacy, right? That, that's it. That's the picture. And Bob goes, and I was like, Bob, that's brilliant. Because what Bob, uh, what Bob realized is that God intends for us to enjoy him. And we do that simply by spending time with him. We simply do that by spending time with him. We go where God goes. It's simply being where God is. And quite frankly, it's more of a recognition that God is already where we are, right? Just like my dogs. That when God, God moves out of the room, I follow him and I follow him out of the room into the next conversation. And I follow him into the next step of life. And when I live my life that way, I have joy in following God because it's not simply doing or being the right thing but it's the joy and the freedom of walking in the forgiveness of Christ saying, God, where would you have me go next? Who would you have me talk to? How do I show Jesus to this person? When we view it in this way, we realize that our life is more about being than doing. That our life is more about being than doing. And when we rest in the truths of the previous four solas, We bring God glory because we just want to be in the presence of God. And we're freed to enjoy him and all of his gifts here on earth. Now let's see if this answer actually works. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Ultimately, you have to answer that question for yourself. What is the chief end of my life? What brings my life meaning and value? Not what JD says, not what my family says, not what Cypress Creek says, not what Texas State says, but what do you say the chief end of your life is? What brings your life meaning and value? Paul helps us to understand this in the book of Romans. And in studying the book of Romans, what you see is the whole first part of the book of Romans is Paul unpacking what God has done in Jesus Christ. What the grace of God is about. What, what it means to put faith in him and how we're called to live as a result and how it affects the world around us. And it comes to a head in chapter 11 in what we call a doxology. And it comes from a Greek word that simply means glory. The root of doxology is glory. So when we glory in God and we give glory to God, what we are essentially doing is assigning him or giving him the spotlight in our life. That we are stepping out of the way of the bright lights and saying, God, here, you take the spotlight. And what that means for us is that we have to take a back seat. Romans 11, starting in verse 33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him, are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. For from him and through him and for him 
are all things. Those are the ways in which we glorify God. There's this transition that happens in our life when we begin to order our lives in a way that gives God the glory. And this transition happens over a really long period of time. And quite frankly, this is kind of graduate level Christianity, right? When we become a Christian, we learn who Jesus is. We learn what it means to follow him. We learn the practices of study. We learn the practices of prayer. We learn how to serve. We learn how to be in community. And at some point in time, we still have to answer that central question. Who is at the center of my life and what is my life all about? The movement of Christianity is placing God in the center. And that's really, really hard. It's really, really hard because for our entire life, we have placed ourselves here directly in the center of our own life. We want the whole world to revolve around us. When I'm driving, I want everyone to get out of my way because don't they know that I'm in a rush, that I have a place to be, and that I need to be on time, and I'm already late to get home for dinner. That when I go to get food or I go to the grocery store, I hate waiting in lines. Why doesn't everybody get out of the way? I don't understand. And My relationships should definitely be about me. They should be telling me what a great friend I am and how much value I bring to their life and really how awesome I am as a person. And people should agree with me all the time. I shouldn't have to argue with anybody. What's the chief end of man? To satisfy me. To satisfy me. And that's a really easy question and a really easy thing to say in jest right? It's an easy thing to joke about. But the scary part is that if we took a second and zoomed out to a 30,000 foot view of our lives, oftentimes it's true that the chief end of my life is to satisfy me. As we begin our life in Jesus Christ, we begin to move off of that center space and we begin to say, I want my life to bring glory to you, God. God, you are the one that is at the center of all life, that you are the only one who deserves glory. It's truly a death of the ego because we have to be okay not being the center of our own universe. The prayer that makes all the difference for us is when we say, God, I have spent a lifetime making myself the center of the universe. Move me off the center so you can have the glory. God, I have spent a lifetime making myself the center of the universe. Move me off the center so that you may have glory. And what happens when we do that is it reorganizes our life dramatically. Because if you have God at the center of your life, you can't talk behind your friends' backs. If you have God at the center of your life, you can't lead girls on. You can't do it. There's a whole lot of things you can't do when you've made God the center of your life. Because when we put God at the center of our life, those things become no-brainers. Because when we say, God, you are the center of my life, when we get to the end of our life, when we get, when it all goes away, people will say, he brought glory to God. Not only do we bring glory to him, but we also get to enjoy him here. 
We get to enjoy him now, and we get to enjoy him forever. Because guess what? As long as I pursue happiness, I'm not going to find it. As long as I pursue pleasure, I'm not going to find it. As long as I pursue power or influence or whatever it is, I'm not going to find it. But when I place God at the center, happiness, pleasure, joy is a byproduct of that. Joy comes regardless of the situation when we have placed God at the center of our lives. It comes because we are in a place to live our life giving all glory and honor and praise to God. And we do this in several really, really practical ways. The first of which is that we recognize that everything we have is his. Everything we have is God's. And that's super easy for us to do when it comes to our car or our bike or our Xbox, our physical possessions, the things that we have hold of, because then we can go home and say, I want to take this seriously, and we give a whole bunch of stuff to Goodwill, and we feel good about ourselves, right? But this also talks about our gifts and our talents and our abilities, that when I say that I have a musical gift, I get to share that for the glory of God. That when I say that I'm good at creating art or I'm good with my words or have the gift of teaching, I can use that for the glory of God. Or I love kids and I just want to use those things for the glory of God. In that space, the pressure is off and we can enjoy the gifts of God without thinking about whether we've done enough or are bringing enough to the table to do it without the ego that so often takes place. That when we sing a song, or I'll speak directly about me, when I preach a sermon and I stand up here, I no longer need to look at how many views that gets when, it, when the clip goes up on Instagram, right? Because my focus is not on myself. It's not on my pride. It's not on my achievement. It's not on the influence. But it's on giving glory to God by speaking his word truthfully and honestly. And the second practical thing that we do is we glorify God by doing all things as if for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. We glorify God when we keep our promises. We glorify God when we love others. We glorify God when we work to create a society where justice reigns for all. We glorify God when we put him at the center of our lives. Brother Lawrence is a perfect example of this. If you guys don't know who Brother Lawrence is, he, was a, uh, he worked in a kitchen in a monastery in the Middle Ages. And really primarily working in a kitchen is a nice way of saying that he was a dishwasher. And he was a dishwasher for his entire life. He was conscripted into the army. After he got out of the army, he entered the monastery. And for his entire life, he lived his life every day in the kitchen washing dishes and making food. And over time, there were a whole bunch of people who used to come to the monastery to see him, who used to come to talk to him, to learn from him, to just be around him. And the guy who was in charge of the monastery finally was like, what is the deal with this guy? Like, I'm the head dude at the monastery. People are supposed to come see me. And yet they're coming to see the dude working in the kitchen. So he goes in and he asks Brother Lawrence for, for in, an interview. And it, it turns out that there's this interview turned into a fantastic, tiny, tiny little book. And it's called The Practice 
of the presence of God. And essentially, Brother Lawrence's whole goal in life while washing dishes all day, every day, was to live every moment in recognition of God's presence in his life. And in that book, there's a passage that really stuck out to me about glorifying God in the mundane of everything we do in our daily lives. It says that our sanctification, sanctification being the process of being made like Jesus, our sanctification does not depend upon changing our works, but in doing that for God's sake, which we commonly do for our own. That our sanctification does not depend upon changing our works, but in doing that for God's sake, which we commonly do for our own. It is lamentable to see how many people mistook the means for the end, addicting themselves to certain works, which they performed very imperfectly by reason of their human or selfish regards. What if we woke up every morning and our prayer was, God, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be bad. I don't know if it's going to be really hard or if it's going to be really easy. But whatever it is, use me to bring you glory. Whatever it is, use me to bring you glory. May I enjoy you fully today. And then when we just went and lived our life. It's that simple. When you use the gifts of God, use the gifts that God has given you to their fullest, you can enjoy him and bring him glory in what we do. I'm a pastor. And when I go to work every morning and I get to the office and I start my work of of calling people and meeting with people and preparing and writing and teaching, I hope that it brings glory to God. But my buddy, Tyler, who's a professional athlete, and he goes to the gym every day, and he works on his craft. Can Tyler also bring glory to God through what he does? The true and simple answer is yes, that it doesn't matter what we do. You may find yourself working the drive-thru, or you might find yourself pouring coffee, or you might sell lumber, or you might be a carpenter. But whatever it is, let us be people who say, Lord, I want to glorify you. I want you to be there, God, to be the center of my life. I surrender myself to you. Philippians 1.20 says, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be glorified in my body, whether by life or by death. What is the chief end of mankind? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Paul understood this and he said that it was his eager expectation that whether by life or by death, that God would be glorified in him and through him. That's the way my buddy Zach lived. That's the way he lived his life every day. That in life, God was glorified, that in death, he is also glorified. And that, that perspective, that way of living life has made all the difference in more people than he will ever know. That his service to the kingdom of God, only seeking to glorify him, is going to make a difference in lives so far beyond 
what he ever could have imagined his life would be. And it's in that space when we allow God to become the center of our lives that it reorients our desires, that it changes our desires and our perspective. We're about to sing the song worthy of it all. And we sung this song on Sunday morning, if you're here, and the words of this song come directly from that doxology in Romans 11. And this song brought me to tears on Sunday morning, 12 hours after I learned that my buddy had died. Because as I sung it, I thought about Zach and how his life is a living testament to the truth of the words in that song. It says, for from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. And it hit home at a heart level for me. Because we exist to glorify God alone as a foundation of who we are and what we were created to do and to be. May the glory of God alone be our only ambition. Lord, I I praise you. I praise you for who you are, Lord, in your essence, God, that your ways are not our ways, that we can't understand your paths, God, that, that we have never given anything to you that you might give back to us, God. You're so far beyond our comprehension, God. And we recognize that that from you are all things, and through you all are all things, and for you are all things, God. That you are the Lord of this place, God. And so, Father, at this moment, Lord, that we, we lay down our selfish desires. We lay down our hearts that are centered around satisfying ourselves, Jesus. And we lay them at your feet, God. Lord, may you be glorified through the way we live our life. May you be glorified through our work. May you be glorified through our study. May you be glorified through our relationships, Father. And Father, may we want to just be where you are, Lord. Jesus, whether in life or in death, we seek to glorify your name, God. And that when we get to the end of our life, God, that people can say about us that we lived a life that glorified you and your name, Jesus. And so, Father, right now, we praise you and we worship you, saying you alone are God. We pray this all in your name. Amen.